What's up? Welcome to What's NXT. What's up? What's up? Yeah, bro. It's a podcast about the best WWE show, NXT. Would you say it's the most bodacious WWE show? Yeah, sure. The most bodacious WWE show. Bodacious. Jesus Christ. Where did you pull that? I, well, you said, what's up? I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be loose. Here, I'll, 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 I'll take it again. You don't need to get, take it again. I think we got it. <laughs> I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Basio. How's your month been going? Oh, what are you talking about? Me? I'm doing fine. Everything's cool. Yeah? Went to the hospital. That's rough. Yeah, how's your month's been going? Well, uh, I functionally don't have a job right now. Oh, shit. But what I do have is bed bugs. So, you know, your body is falling apart. My yeah. life is falling apart. Yeah. You want to call this one a draw? Yeah, but I, I you know, I'm going to get better. But, you know, <laughs> you are, you have bed bugs, so <laughs> everyone's already written you off. Everybody in New York has had yes. bed bugs. Well, I haven't yet. You said that the... work at had bed bugs we can't let that get out <laughs> oh right yeah but that's not me that's that's someone i know someone you know his initials jc oh shit get out of here we just watched nxt take over new orleans red beans and rice <laughs> zatarans <laughs> uh what else um uh What's that sandwich they got with the olive oh spread? Oh, I was thinking of the other one. Oh. You know, the one with the olive spread. Oh, I don't know. That sounds good, though. I mean, po' boys are good, too. Mm-hmm. Muffaletta. That's it. Muffaletta. You know what that is? It's a sandwich with olive spread. Marinative olive salad or olive spread. Salami, ham, Swiss cheese, provolone, mortadella. Oh, boy. Mortadella. I had a cousin who really likes mortadella. I mean, it's fucking delicious. We're getting completely off topic. The topic of which was... Deli sandwiches. This is What's NXT? The <laughs> podcast about sandwiches. This week, we ate a Reuben. Mmm. That's one of my favorite go-tos. With a Russian dressing. Fuck this mustard crap. It's gotta be Russian dressing. Take over New Orleans. Yeah. If you want to shut this podcast off right now, was fucking excellent. Yeah, that's all you guys needed to know. See, this was easy, Tristan. I knew we could do a podcast. <laughs> the last couple of takeovers, there have been one or two matches that were like, eh, that was all right. This, just good all the way through. I watched it the day after because I couldn't watch it at the time. But uh, why couldn't you watch it at the time? Well, I was at a I was at a tournament at an arcade because I'm a real fat nerd. I was playing Virtua Fighter, which is a video game that no one else plays on the planet. So of course I got first place. Did you? No, I got fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I got fifth, but I was the only one there. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. I watched the next day, which meant I had the option of just pausing it and walking away. I did not. I told my girlfriend I was going to, and I did not. (laughs) 
So you you watched it right before WrestleMania. I did. That was my pre-show. Speaking of which... I liked it a lot. I went back and I watched a couple of the matches again because I felt like we were just bullshitting our way through a lot of them. The matches that I rewatched were better the second time I saw them. So I was like, oh, okay. The mixed tag was actually a lot better than we were making it out to be. The Charlotte Asuka match was a lot better the second time around, except for the fact that her tap out was still kind of quick. Yeah. Why do you tap? Like, why do you make her tap? That's the thing that I was asking. Just, just pin her or something. I still think that you can, you can make her tap. It just seems like she gave up on that tap pretty quick. Yeah. But it was probably because Charlotte's elbow exploded. The main event was Cena jobbing out to the Undertaker in five minutes. Holy shit. That was awesome. I can't believe you did that. You know what? I get a lot of respect for Cena every time I see him recently. And maybe it's because I realized just how much he's putting people over now. I mean, like, that was... That would have been a lesser man... Really going out of his way to put over The Undertaker. No, well, I... No, I'm because not you know who needs to be put over? You know who isn't solidified enough as a... I'm talking about... I'm talking about over the past, you know, year, basically, when I've seen him. He seems to be... He used to bury all of this young talent, and now he's finally putting over our rising stars like The Undertaker. Yeah, but I'm just saying you (laughs) would think he would have a little bit more of an ego getting destroyed by a 60-year-old man. Also, he was very afraid of The Undertaker, which I thought was great. Well, he's afraid of everybody. But you know what? That's good. He was the only guy that would ever put over uh, Bray Wyatt as being spooky, which I really like because it turns out that he's just a big scaredy cat. Everybody thinks he's tough because, you know, he's giant, built like a brick wall. But the second you like, boo, oh, no. And the Undertaker match was really fun for me because I got to see Zena sitting in the crowd like a dumb idiot. And run around to be really excited. That was great. The emotional roller coaster ride. You're right there with. Speaking of the Undertaker, you know that he has a match at that weird Saudi Arabia super battle royale, right? Just so you know, ever since that's been announced and has started to become a bigger deal, I've been trying to figure out a joke that ends with. Uh, nine Saudi nationals in a wrestling school, but they don't learn how to sell or take a bump. And the FBI forgot to look into that, but I, I can't figure out how to make oh, that oh, work. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> oh. There's something oh. there. They, you've got to admit that there's something there. Yeah. Guess who's on Raw now? Oh, no. Way, Jose. No way, Jose. No, no way, way. Jose. Jose. No. Corey can way. finally go back to doing oh. his stupid. Who is Jose and why is he always being denied? Joke. <laughs> oh no, he is gonna do that. He already did it. He did it on Raw. Oh, we did it already. Ay ay ay. Did he come out and like instantly lose? No, he came out and instantly won. Good. They had a jobber waiting for him. Oh, was it jobber? He did he did two moves, then did the the throw him up in the air and punch him in the jaw. Yeah. Got the pin. Okay. It was pretty good, actually. And oh. he's already instantly over. 
He showed up on Raw, and I was like, oh, this is the right move completely. Usually, I don't want people to move up to the main roster because I love them. I want to keep them on NXT where they're safe. But I feel like uh, No Way Jose was kind of in this area along with Elias where his gimmick is made for the fucking main roster, you know? Huh. His gimmick is made for showing up in front of different giant crowds each week and having everybody flip their shit. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. When you're showing up at Full Sail every week and the No Way Jose music comes on, like, eventually, even if you're a fan of his, you're going to be like, I'm I'm not going to keep dancing. Like, this is a little crazy. I don't know. I would have danced. Every time? Yeah, probably. But I get lost in the They shoot multiple episodes at once so there yeah, could but they're be not gonna... do they ever put him on two episodes in a row <laughs> i don't know i think that might be the reason <laughs> but that's what i mean on the main roster he can show up every week it's going to be that's a new true. crowd and they're going to go true. no way jose this is great elias was floundering at full sail cassius ono showed up kicked his ass to the curb and then he went to raw and everybody was like oh this guy's great because now he doesn't have to sing the same song each time. He can custom tailor it to a new town. He's like almost instantly mid-card now just because of his size, probably. The only problem is I, I wish he was on SmackDown so he could interact with Daniel Bryan, who could also just yell no all the time at him. They don't do no's anymore with Daniel Bryan. Do no, they? because he's not a heel anymore. Yeah, but that's hilarious. That is very hilarious. really funny. That's like back when he was hanging out with Kane all the time and they used to do all those little backstage skits or whatever. He wasn't hanging out. He was on a tag team with Kane and they hated each other. Yeah, but then they did the backstage skits where they hung out (laughs) in anger management class and stuff. And I thought that was actually really funny. I really liked that. If he went to SmackDown, he would need to be rebranded as a heel so that Daniel Bryan could be doing his yes chants. And then the music hits, and it's No Way Jose. But that's good. Oh, he'll shake, they'll shake him up. Yeah, once they hear our podcast. You know, this is our first episode on the new monthly style. Right. Monthly style. Monthly format? Monthly format, that's a better word. We're going to talk about the build to each match, then talk about the match a little bit, and then what we see in the future. How about it? I love it. So the first match of the night was almost 40 minutes long. (laughs) A six-man ladder match for the newly announced North American title. NXT finally has a mid-card. Yeah, this is really cool. And also the fact that it's like a regional-style title makes me feel like there are going to be a lot of fun goofy promos about it. Adam Cole might come out with like a taco in one hand and like maple syrup in the other or something. Who knows? Pete Dunne has a natural feud with whoever is the North American champ. The UK championship will forever be Pete Dunne's. That's just... Well, they had it sculpted to his teeth. That's just the Pete Dunne Memorial Championship. That's his retainer. He has to wear that when he's asleep. (laughs) I could also see going the opposite direction a world where pete dunn wants to be master of the universe and just goes after all the regional belts (laughs) they could have those two belts and then starts 
bad-mouthing whoever has the Universal Championship. You might have the Universal Championship, but I have every other region. Your universe is empty because everything is mine. So let's talk about the build to this match. Yeah. There was none. Absolutely. This was a <laughs> bolt out of the blue. Two weeks before this match starts, Regal shows up and goes, hey, we finally have this mid-card belt. It's going to be a great belt. It looks awesome. Check it out. It does. It looks really cool. It's like a flashback kind of belt. EC3 showed up and just assumes it's his. Yeah, that was great. EC3 is awesome. Such a natural, just everybody fucking eating out of the palm of his hand. I feel really bad for Moss and Sabatelli because it's like, oh, you guys were just starting to figure out how to get your gimmick over? Well, guess what? Here's a guy who's been doing it forever and is fucking killer. He's definitely, I think he's going to be making Tino a little more nervous. Riddick still has that, like, shitty facial hair. EC3 shows up. This is mine, right? And he goes, no. Six-man ladder match. The other members are Adam Cole, Bebe. Yeah, Bebe. Great choice because they've fucking buried him so much recently that him having the heavyweight championship is just fucking ridiculous right now. But this belt shows up and you're like, oh, perfect guy to put that on. Yeah, naturally. Velveteen Dream. Well, fuck you. If they're fighting for it, I should get a shot. And Daddy Regal goes, yeah, of course. I liked how flexible he was here because he was like, we're going to have a ladder match. And people just start walking up to him and are like, I should be a part of that ladder match. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, you could be a part of the ladder match. Yeah. It only takes one show. Because even when they go backstage and they start, like, politicking around, he just finds people constantly. People walk up to him and start trying to make their case, and he's like, Lars Sullivan, you don't have to make your case. You could even get him recommended. Lars Sullivan literally just says, but I want Killian and Dane in that match. And, and he goes, yeah, sure. like, well, you got him. <laughs> I thought he said there were going to be five guys, and he ended up with six. <laughs> like, did he just yeah, keep you saying know. yes? He's in charge. He can make the rules. Yeah, I guess so. They're going to have a new belt. But on top of that, they're probably going to set up some feuds. The best thing about a multi-person ladder match is you set up a bunch of feuds. And like yeah. all of these people that are amazing but aimless. Yeah, go fucking do whatever shit we set up. Dream really needs to be in a long-term feud with somebody. Always. And yeah. Cassius Ono was not cutting. Ricochet and EC3 are brand new to the company and they need to get something going like right away. This is a great way to get them out of the gate instantly. Ricochet, when he did that first run in, everybody in the ring is like taken aback. They're like, oh my God, it's Ricochet. And then there's this shot of Adam Cole and he's completely nonplussed. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here. This is what my moment. Spider-Man posing in the middle of a fucking, you know what? Fuck you. Let's talk about this match. Yeah, this was a fucking great fucking match. As you mentioned before, Adam Cole eventually wins the belt. So yeah. perfect. And totally great. everybody has fucking feuds now. And everybody has really good feuds. Velveteen Dream Ricochet. That's oh my a God. great feud. And you kind of knew it was getting set up because of all those tweets about how he hates indie guys. Yeah, but he. <laughs> what if he had been talking about EC3 though? Like, that almost works as well, but Ricochet is much better. It does, but I loved the the tease for the EC3 Adam Cole 
rivalry. I thought that was amazing. Let's talk about how some of these uh, feuds get set up. Yeah. The obvious one is Lars Sullivan and Killian Dane. Yeah, that was the one we kind of had going into it. But they never did anything with it, and there's going to be a really big Haas battle. There's going to yeah. be a battle that's just two big assholes slowly punching each other to death. I think I know why I've been really apprehensive about seeing this match. Why? It's because I'm pretty sure Killian Dane is definitely going to win. And I don't want him to win. I want Lars Sullivan to win. Yeah, because Lars Sullivan is back to being a booed heel. He's so booed. And Dane is still getting pushed to the moon and everybody loves him. I think he actually was injured. But what if they kept him off for a little bit longer off of TV? We need people to forget how amazing you are. Because you can't not like this guy. You can't hate Lars Sullivan. I started out hating him. He attacked No Way Jose in the middle of a dance. He looks like a toddler wearing a fake beard. He's amazing. He's great. When he talks, the way he looks at people. As Moro said at the beginning of the match... He's got the brain of a professor and the body of a gorilla. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> I, I would say maybe two gorillas, one on top of each other's shoulders. I'm thinking maybe. He's amazing. He's got the brain of a professor, the body of a gorilla, and the tattoo of an English Glen. Who the fuck knows what? Dane was so over in this match. Again, there was another moment of like little like, we want da-da, or whatever. And then he did it. Excuse me, the thing was when Lars Sullivan picked up and threw Ricochet at him as a weapon, and then the audience starts chanting, throw him back. He looked around at the audience, I guess I gotta, and as Ricochet is slowly getting off the mat, he picks Ricochet up, tosses him back. Yeah, so that means, like, stuff like that, that's... He's the clear crowd favorite between the two, and I'm just, I'm anxious to see him win. Really liked this one moment where Dane does a, I believe, Vader bomb onto EC3 on a ladder. Oh, oh, he busted his own dick off on that. And Percy reveals that he doesn't know what Fyrick means because Moro says... Oh, that was a Pyrrhic victory. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> Percy goes, yeah, and also, I think it might have hurt him more than it hurt EC3. <laughs> and Morrow, very kindly, understandingly, that's why I said Pyrrhic, Percy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Percy. They kind of ganged up on Percy in this one moment, because then Percy laughing says... Yeah, they're going to have to scrape EC3 off the mat. And Nigel goes, do you find that amusing, Percy? <laughs> I remembered that. That man's hurt. And Percy responds, oh, not at all. <laughs> 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 Poor dude. They're trying, you know what? They're getting, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to put Percy over a little bit. They're <laughs> doing a him a favor by, by acknowledging him. Yeah, but again, I know that we say this every single time. You're hanging out with Nigel and Moro. That's an uphill battle. It's, it's definitely tough. Let's change it up. Let's talk about Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. And before we get started with that, let's talk about Velveteen Dream's clothes. 
Of course. It's the fashion police. These are their stories. First of all, in the promo package for the match, he's delivering an interview and he has his three lens sunglasses. But for some reason, he's popped the lens out of the left eye. I don't know what that was. That looked so cool, though. I liked it so much. It was maybe false significance or it was maybe real significance. Yeah. Who the fuck knows with Velveteen Dream? Yeah. Who the fuck knows? I'm just going to chew gum and put it on a pillow. (laughs) He's wearing day glow tights, airbrushed tights, and it's always him on one leg and who's battling on the other, which meant that this time it was a weird little chibi Velveteen Dream on one leg and five other guys on the other. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were all wearing sunglasses or something. Yes. He's dressed like Baron Samdi. He's got the top hat with the feather in it and the cool tailed coat. Yeah, I love that. And what do you do in New Orleans? You throw beads to the crowd. I believe that entire weekend he was the only one who did that. The bar did it as well. Remember, they oh, came out yeah, on that the bar floor. did it. Of course they would do it, because they were also big nerds. Ricochet gets the loudest pop of the night. I think he'd have to. I was kind of surprised because before that, Adam Cole got the biggest pop. And I was like, right. oh, shit. People still really like Adam Cole. I'm glad that it isn't just us two. Oh, no, no, no. He's super over. He's the best. But Ricochet, I mean, come on. People have seen him, and WWE guys have seen him because of that Cruiserweight class. They know what they're in for. They're really excited to see him. They're really well put together because they both sell like motherfuckers. They're really good at selling. I mean, we've talked about Dream over and over again forever about how he sells. Ricochet, if this was your first time watching it, you would think he came out of it with like broken ribs and like a fractured head and like all kinds of shit because he sells like crazy. His face never stops going. And he also likes doing that really indie style of selling where like every single time he gets DDT'd, he does a prolonged handstand on his own shoulders where his yeah. legs are just straight up in he the air. He sells like The Rock yeah. when he sells a stunner, yeah. It, I, one of the things that really got me about Ricochet was when he did that that weird goofy kind of moonsault off the ladder onto guys. And then he got up, he kind of like stumbled up and he was like stumbling over to the ring. And I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. This guy's really great. He didn't like put his hands up. He didn't go to the crowd and like, look at what I just did. He didn't do any of that. He stumbled around like he was like, this move meant so much. And I really appreciated that. For a guy who hates indie wrestlers, Dream sure did uh, throw out a bunch of spots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. But you know what? He's he's really good at him. He clears the entire ring using Rainmakers and then realizes regular Rainmaker isn't going to take out. I think it was Lars Sullivan still putting over Lars. I like that. Yeah. So he sets up a ladder, climbs to the top and Moro, like an idiot who's never watched wrestling, is like, Well, that ladder is way too far from the belt to get the belt. (laughs) That was awesome, too. I did like that. (laughs) He picked the biggest ladder, too, by the way. It was like the tall ladder. And then just absolutely demolishes Lars's chest. That and the Death Valley driver on the ladder platform were the two big dream moves that scared the shit out of me because 
that, if he put his leg between the rungs during that, he'd be dead. He he put his leg through the rung accidentally earlier, and I was Setting like, it up. Yeah. oh, he's going to fucking snap an ankle or something. I thought maybe that was on purpose to just show how dangerous everything was going to be. It was very scary to see. And I felt scared for I felt scared for Ricochet because this is his first match on NXT, and I'm like, please don't get your head broken open on the first match. For the past couple of months, Velveteen Dream has been shitting on indie wrestlers, and yeah. now they've set up a feud with an indie wrestler, and the first thing he did was go all indie wrestling. Yeah, I know. I was I was really surprised that we didn't see like fluorescent light tubes or anything like that. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> just go the rest of the way this is what you do right yeah the only indie wrestling i've watched is czw this is what you do right sure ricochet's like no no no. i'm the other kind of indie i'm the like i got tons a, of flips indie i got a, like a best of sabu tape from when <laughs> i was a kid <laughs> i'm gonna put thumbtacks all over the ground right that would be really fun if like part of the feud was he thought that it was going to get a lot bloodier than it does. And Ricochet is always like, dude, instead of a bat on a pole match, like, can we just have best two out of three falls? <laughs> I'll do a best two out of three falls match for you. I could see him. I mean, since they mentioned TNA already on Raw, I could see him. Uh, I could see him watching a bunch of like old monsters balls and being like, this is what we do. We're going to put, like, I'm going to put the thumbtacks on the ground. And then I can imagine Velveteen Dream's thumbtacks are, like, gold or something like that. Or purple. He watches some of those weird Japanese matches with Terry Oh, with Funk. the C4? With the C4, quote-unquote <laughs> C4. Like. Delusional Velveteen Dream not knowing exactly what an indie wrestler is because he's never been one. And he just <laughs> turns into Terry Funk accidentally. <laughs> He comes out with the chainsaw, but the chain is still clearly on it. And everybody's like, no, 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 no you don't understand. <laughs> He'll show up with like fresh stitches all over his arms. And he's like, I've been practicing. I don't know how you guys do this without really fucking yourselves up. Uh, right. So that's so that that's breakfast day. <laughs> But finally, we come to the winner and his new feud. Oh. Adam Cole versus EC3. And the best part of this feud is it gets started in a moment of friendship. Like you could totally see them working together. I had visions of EC3 barely being able to fit an Undisputed Era armband over those gigantic fucking arms. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be great. But of course he, he's got to be a lone wolf. I mean, he's the top one percent of course ec3 and adam cole team up they're oh, just yeah. cocky 100%. assholes the only difference really is that ec3 has muscle mass and money adam cole has charisma and a head like a watermelon yeah <laughs> i guess that's pretty much it right yeah i finally realized what adam cole looks like to me and it completely changed how i see Basically all of Undisputed Era. I'll follow up on this later, but Adam Cole is a Chihuahua. Wow. Okay. He has a giant head, giant eyes. He yaps a lot. He picks a fight with everyone, and he's constantly shivering. Did you describe Adam Cole or? 
a chihuahua there. We need to we need to knit Adam Cole a sweater so that he doesn't get too cold in uh, the air conditioning. This is the kind of revelation you always think that Alistair Black is trying to achieve when he's naked in front of a bunch of candles. <laughs> he's a chihuahua, of course. <laughs> yeah, he just wakes up. Oh, I can stop wrestling now. I've reached enlightenment. He's got the tea leaves and he looks at it and it's a chihuahua's head next to Adam Cole's head. And he's like, what could it mean? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm so close to understanding the secrets of the universe. He looks down at his bicep. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. EC3 and Cole team up. They clear the ring. And it looks like for a second, they they kind of are getting along until EC3 does the only thing that can piss off Adam Cole more than making him lose. He steals his gimmick. We get an EC3, baby, and you see... Adam Cole is right in the shot, and you see his face just like... (gasps) The best thing about this is his back is to EC3 before he does it, and EC3 doesn't just tap his shoulder. He, like, taps it a couple of times and then physically turns him around and is like, check this out, I'm about to do something. And Adam Cole is totally there for it. He's excited. He thinks he's going to do the Adam Cole, baby. And I think he's super happy about it until he hears EC3 and his face just falls. Oh, God. Adam Cole, between that and the face that he makes when he's on the ladder and he realizes he's close to the belt. (laughs) And he just looks at the audience. He looks everywhere. He's like, oh, oh." (laughs) he's got great facials. He stands next to Kyle O'Reilly all day, so he needs to try and do it. (laughs) Because between the two of them, it's it's a toss-up. EC3 steals his gimmick. And he gets so angry that he becomes the Adam Cole that we always knew he could be because he goes from needing EC3 to help him out to literally super kicking every single person in the ring and they all go down like a sack of potatoes. Well, you know, you gotta do the super kick party spot, even if the Young Bucks aren't there. Moro keeps calling them super kick parties and I'm like... Cease and desist, Moro. They need to fire off a... Counter season to says, listen, you can call them super kick parties if we can do the two sweet again. Tit for tat, motherfucker. <laughs> I love the idea of Moro showing up on being the elite, opening up a scene, a season desist letter. He would. He would. Right before his contract's up, he's going to do it. Watch. They somehow film in full sail and Adam Cole is doing the super kicks. And they sneak a GoPro in there or the something. Camera, the camera is on Moro and he goes... It looks like you've been invited to, and then the camera zooms down hallways into a plane, flies to Japan, zooms in on Cody. What? Oh, yeah. With the hair. Yeah. And then and then Matt and Nick are staring at the ring like, I just can't believe a ghost is doing all that. Everybody looks good in this match. Yeah. Even EC3, who took the majority of the offense without giving a lot back looked great, especially because he got that promo in before. He interacts with the crowd in a really interesting way. Like, you hear, like, Alexa Bliss do this, where they'll respond to the chants and stuff. I love that. In one way, it's kind of like taking control of the chants, and in another way, it's like, I recognize you guys are watching wrestling right now, which so many people don't do. When he showed up when the belt was first announced and said that obviously he was going to be the person to have it, 
the audience immediately starts chanting, you deserve it. And his response is, thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> and then they pop so big for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It could go so poorly when you do that. And I think that's why nobody really does it. So it's awesome to see him do it because it really works. I could also see EC3 healing that rift between Sabatelli and Moss and leading them against Undisputed Era. Yeah. That obviously Undisputed Era would win because in kayfabe, none of them are good wrestlers. Right. All three of them are actually good wrestlers. But in kayfabe, Undisputed Era are three guys that could kill you. And Sabatelli, Moss, and EC3 are just rich gym rat prima donnas. I like the idea of them like turning into DiBiase's or something and like buying up assets from NXT. They bought a section of the crowd. Oh shit. In full sale and were like and they cordoned it off and they nobody was in it. Or they just said, "We actually own that section. You guys bought your tickets, but you bought it for our section. So you have to legally cheer for us. You need to cheer for us. Oh, yes. And then oh, they I try to it. get a chant going, and obviously the crowd, like, rebels and starts telling them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. You know. That's really good. Just throwing it out there, NXT. You can take that. Yeah, no, please do. Please take it. I want to see it. So next up, we have Amber Moon versus Shayna Baszler for the Women's Championship. We saw a little bit of the build before we left last time. We saw a ton of the build since we left. They've been spending a lot of time. So we have a little match between Evans and Dakota Kai. Shayna runs out to beat Dakota Kai up. Oh, I loved Dakota Kai selling the fear on that. Dakota Kai sells it great. Ember shows up with the save, but gets fucked up by Shayna Baszler. I really loved that she's about to get choked out on the ropes when who shows up to save Ember Moon but Dakota Kai with a run-by knee strike. People in the mid-card, once the the people in contendership for the championship show up, like... Yeah, they powder out and you never see them. I'm going to wait in the wings because this Shayna Baszler, she's bad news, and I believe in Ember Moon, but, you know. Ember had my back, so I'm going to have her back, so just in case anything happens... And I loved that idea. I love the whole, like, payback thing and also the whole, like, you know, face solidarity. You never see that. Ember then battled Aaliyah, which, woof. I mean, you know what? Aaliyah's pretty competent, though. I think she's getting fine. Yeah, but that's punching down on a pretty major level for Ember. Well, you know, she's the champion. She has to take on everybody. She's a fighting champion. You know, it's just like how, uh... It's just like how Brock Lesnar, right, fights, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, 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 exactly. Got to put those twerps in their place, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. These upstarts. Yeah, these fucking young upstarts. These guys, they think they're hot shit because they've got so much success, like Aaliyah and Kurt <laughs> Hawkins. Shayna sits on commentary for the Aaliyah Ember Moon match. Our commentary is not bad as far as wrestlers commenting on other matches. Basically calls Ember Moon a cunt the entire time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> commentary really sold it. They act like they were sitting at the same table as Charlie Manson. R.I.P. Yeah, 
Percy was like trying to get uh, incensed at her and be like, well, you've said this in the past. She's like cutting him off. Shut the fuck up, Percy. <laughs> it was great. They were nervous. And Moro, his the look on his face and everything, that he, he did a good job. It was weird. The build was going super strong. And then was there anything from them on the Go Home show? I'm trying to remember. And I don't think that there was right at the peak of me being like hyped for this this match they kind of undercut it yeah but i mean you knew it was going to be an amazing match though for the first half of it there isn't a lot of crowd she came out ember came out to a fucking guitar performance complete with a woman singing her song and it's live music so she's gonna lose Right? Like, that's that that happens. That's Black, just what Black it is. Black came out to live music. Yeah, but he's fucking Aleister Black. I mean, are you kidding me? He's not going to lose. They'll protect him all day long. And, I mean, Shinsuke comes out to live music and he'll win sometimes, but he'll also lose. If WrestleMania weekend happens and you've got live music, you're going to lose. I mean, Triple H shows that over and over again. I really liked this match. Me too. It was a great match, especially because Ember kind of Ember kind of moves a little closer to the tweener category than out and out face. She doesn't yeah. give clean rope breaks. She is really nasty. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's kind of cool because she maintains her babyface status because that's like where they get the revenge. Yeah. So of when you're getting revenge, it's okay for a babyface to just brutalize someone oh yeah and she definitely brutalizes Shayna baszler yeah in fact Shayna baszler goes for the elbow stomp and ember is able to roll out of the way she then gets Shayna in the elbow position and the entire crowd is yelling for her to do it and she goes ahead and stomps that shoulder and it is awesome it's super fucking awesome it's Turnabout is fair play, and it's amazing. She sells Jeez. that shoulder for the rest of the match. At one she point, sells it great. Ember is kind of incapacitated, and she runs over to one of the other turnbuckles and slams her shoulder into it a couple of times to, quote-unquote, reset her shoulder. Yeah, I loved that. That had to have been her idea, because she's an MMA fighter. She could be like, you know, in MMA, you can really dislocate your shoulder. And she sells it so well. She's, like, gasping in pain and groaning. It's it's awesome. She really makes it look like this was a super impactful development in the match. And it gave you some hope that Ember was really going to come out and win. Oh, great. Ember has this in the fucking bag. All she's got to do is put that shoulder in an arm bar or something. and Or just do an eclipse. She won't be able to counter it now because she only has one arm. Oh. In fact, the one eclipse that you do see, she does it on the outside. I, being an asshole, I would have just rolled into the ring and taken champion's advantage and just got the count out. Yeah, of course. But, um, you know, she But you aren't, you aren't a face. That's true. I'm not a face. You can have... Her hit Shayna so you could relieve all that buildup and just make everyone feel so happy that this has happened. And then you don't have to worry about Shayna getting pinned. She can't kick out of it because Asuka's the only woman alive that could ever kick out of 
the eclipse. But at the same time, you don't have to worry about the eclipse ending the match. She goes for the eclipse. Shayna fucking counters the eclipse into yeah, that was great. the Kirifuda. And then, as the commentary highlights, because her shoulder is so fucked up, she can't fully do the Kirifuda. So she grabs her own hair for the leverage to keep it cinched in. Yeah. Because Ember the entire time is yanking on her arm trying to re-dislocate it. It's really, really pretty good. It's awesome. She gets out of one Kirifuda that way. Yeah. And it's really cool to see the adaptation that Baszler makes, and it's also really cool to see all that hair grease finally pay off. (laughs) I don't really think you could count this as a loss for Ember Boom. Shin tap. She, like, fucking Tanahashi'd it. She... Yeah. She, she just, just refused to to give up and then went to sleep. Yeah, she was just she was just choked to death. <laughs> yeah, she's just dead. She's a ghost now on Raw. The Adventures of Nia Jax and her ghost pal. <laughs> she wins, and the audience starts booing. Yeah, like you've never fucking heard. Well, because she didn't just win. I mean, she knocked out the champ. She didn't just knock out the champ. She slowly put the champ to sleep. She's walking up the ramp and she's yelling into the camera that's following her. Oh, the best wrestler you've seen in forever! <laughs> God bless you, Shayna Baszler. I love that even when she's sounding tough, she still phrases it like a middle school bully. Yeah. Best wrestler you've seen in forever is like... Only a 12-year-old would say that. Or a used car salesman. Yeah. Hey, this is the best wrestler you're going to see in forever. Shayna comes with the undercoat. Yeah. Ooh. She's got a new transmission. Best yeah. wrestler you've seen in forever. And I Simonize it for you for free. The Simonizing is free. The Simonizing is great. You just pay $20. It's free. <laughs> That's for labor. Also, who said $20? I'm not charging you $20. Just sign here where it says $20. See, I don't charge you the $20 extra. I roll that into the cost of the car, which is now $19,020. So, you know, it's free. (laughs) Yeah, it's $18,000 and $20. Compared to $18,000, that's free. Yeah, basically. It's It's just how you look at it, you know? Yeah. You know, life's all about perspective. Best wrestler. Yeah, in forever. I almost don't want to let you walk off the lot with this wrestler. I know. I want this Shayna Baszler for myself. Yeah, I want one for everyone in my family. I don't have a Shayna Baszler. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm driving around in a... In a no way Jose. I wish I had something that drove as smooth as this Shayna Baszler. Best yeah. wrestler you've seen in front. And if the tire pops out, you just push it up against the post a couple of times. <laughs> okay, I think that's the button on that. <laughs> that was about 10 minutes of car salesman jokes. Let's talk about where this goes from here, because Shayna Baszler is the women's champion now. And yes, Ember Moon is now on Raw. Yeah, she's a ghost. Too bad that we'll never see her again, you and I. I know. It's too bad. Asuka is on Raw for another, like, week before she's not anymore, probably. It's nice to see her on the same brand, though. 
because they can kind of like do a little interaction like they did in the Rumble, which I thought was really fun. I almost kind of want to see them team up. No, because they can't team up before Ember Moon gets the win. That's true. She needs the win first. Yeah, you're right. Ember Moon can't have the win for a while. Long story short, good thing that Ember is on Raw. Yes, it is a good thing. Now let's talk about the more interesting Shayna Baszler and the NXT women's division. So, Lacey Evans is just going to clean everybody's clock, right? That's what she says. And then she's just going to take over the whole thing, right? Yeah, 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 because she's got class. Yeah, she's got class. That works really good. No, Lacey Evans probably is not going to become the powerhouse that she thinks she is. No, she's going to become Shayna Baszler's little yippie dog. Oh, yeah. So many yippie dogs. Yep. Um, What's classier than a chihuahua? Now I'm just thinking about <laughs> her and Adam Cole's weird relationship. I don't think she'd have one. I think he's his hair oh, is no. too long and greasy. I think, she I, think like th- I think that they would totally... They would have the relationship that they don't even tell their best friends about. Right, because she's ashamed of it. Because he's like so... He has no class. And he doesn't like that she's not a wild, loose, rock and roll chick. Like how Kyle O'Reilly would would want. <laughs> I was thinking more like she pays him five bucks a week to not tell the rest of Undisputed Era. Oh and shit, he's, right. He's such he's a slime like, ball that he's like, five bucks? Yeah, sure, I won't tell him. Yeah, man, he does. Yo, guess what I've been doing, guys? <laughs> Adam Cole, where did you get the five bucks for that extra slice of pizza? Well, I said I wouldn't tell, but (laughs) (laughs) they all think he's a real high roller now. Yeah, he's got enough money to get like pepperoni slices. He can get his beef patty with cheese in it. He got a pepperoni slice and garlic knots. He's a real high roller. They all think that he is super classy. Yeah, (laughs) very classy. He drinks his soda with a straw now. A fucking asshole. <laughs> Drinking soda with the straw and the pinky out. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Adam Cole, where did you pick up these highfalutin, classy mannerisms? Did you go to Europe or something? We're also out two more heel characters because the iconic duo, now weirdly known as the iconic, spelled with two eyes at the beginning. Ew. What are they, Ruby Riot them or something? Yeah, they're just adding extra letters to everybody's name. Consonants. Capital I, capital I, Conic. Ew. I hate it. Why are you fucking up people's names? I don't get it, but I can understand it when they drop somebody's name when they move up. Nobody needs two names, really. Right. Elias. He goes better that way. But, you know, iconic, that doesn't mean anything. The iconic, too. That's disgusting. The iconic? What the fuck is that? Anyway, they're on SmackDown. I actually think that they're going to fit in great on SmackDown. Yeah, they're definitely going to be. They already beat the fuck out of Charlotte. They showed up and everybody was cheering. And then after a prolonged beatdown session, everybody was booing. So they've already got themselves over as heels. Everybody was cheering them while they were making fun of Charlotte, which I thought was really weird. Because they were talking shit about Charlotte, 
And they were saying, you're so annoying, you talk about this and that, and people were clapping. It was like, oh, I guess they think you're annoying. No, I think it's more that people just like the iconic duo, but then when they're just beating up the face champion, you go like, oh, this is no longer fun. You're not saying funny, funny catty shit anymore. You're just kicking Charlotte over and over and over in the stomach. Yeah. We dumped heels, so now it's just faces. Yeah. It's just faces versus Baszler and the two little baby heels, which I would say are Vanessa Bourne, because I'm arguing she's probably going to end up being a heel, and uh, Lacey Evans. Six months ago, it was like Ember Moon is the face and everybody else is an asshole. Except Asuka. Except Asuka. And Nikki Cross, but Nikki Cross was still in a tweener position at the time. Now she's solidly a face. And I think that stuff like that is actually great because it just kind of makes Baszler more powerful because she's just like, everyone's gunning for me and they can all go fuck themselves because I'm going to have this belt for a while. She is definitely going to win a crazy handicap match and it's going to make her look like a monster. It's going to be like four on one and she is going to somehow find a way to win and the boos from Full Sail are going to be deafening. Let's get to this weird end to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Yeah, I wouldn't say that the end was weird. I'd say the build was weird. Very kind of underwhelming. Yeah, and also a little disappointing. Yeah, And also another synonym for underwhelming. Yeah, but well, maybe. But disappointment (laughs) carries with it a little more sadness and and a little more offense. And and, and does it come down to just the fact that heavy machinery got knocked out? Uh, No, because I love the way that they got knocked out. That that match I actually kind of liked. Because I liked that Dozovich got you know, screwed up uh, Montez Ford with his little cup trick. I wish that they had gone the whole way. We get Street Profits again versus Authors of Pain. And the last time we saw this match, it was the Street Profits trying to be more serious wrestlers. And that's kind of why I liked it. I was like, oh, they're goofy when they're up against nobodies, but like, they see the threat that Authors of Pain are. They have the match again, and... They apparently have completely regressed and are like, Authors of Pain, ah, this is going to be a pushover. I'm going to let Paul Ellering drink my drink my yeah. cup. That didn't work the last time in Heavy Machinery's match. Why is it going to work this time with Paul Ellering? I don't understand. And also, like, them trying to pretend to be more serious ends up screwing them. Because Montez Ford, after Paul Ellering smacks the cup out of his hand, Montez Ford is like, you son of a bitch. It's so uncharacteristic. <laughs> Basically, it all came down to Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong versus Authors of Pain. On our last episode, did we talk about Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong? When Pete Dunne wins that very first match against Sanity, of all things, Pete Dunne is just shrugging throughout the entire thing. I don't know. Roderick Strong is acting like, this is awesome, we won. And Pete Dunne is like, I guess I'm on a tag team now. I guess I'm kind of a face now. Oh. I guess I'm the biggest baby face of the company. Whoops. How'd that yeah. happen? <laughs> Record scratch. 
Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got myself into this situation. You're probably wondering how a man that breaks people's fingers is now beloved by everyone. It comes down to Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong versus AOP in yet another very weird finish in this Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. There is a run-in by Undisputed Era causing a double disqualification. Undisputed Era feel great about themselves until Daddy Regal announces that the match at TakeOver will be a triple threat. Winner takes both the belts and the Dusty Rhodes Tag Classic. Because Bobby Fish is injured, Adam Cole will freebird it. He's already been in the ladder match tonight. Plus, it would be weird if the current champs, who weren't in the Dusty Rhodes Classic this year, won it. So, at the time, I was like, I guess... Authors of Pain are champs again. Yeah. I was kind of convinced that it was going to be done strong. And I was going to be so happy. I, I love it. Are they going to let Pete Dunn hold both the belts? So he can hold them one in each hand while he's got the, the UK championship in his mouth. So I was already looking forward to that. So this match really surprised the shit out of me. As they're coming out, Nigel keeps calling them Undisputed Area. That was weird. He corrected himself the first time, but then the second and third time he calls them that, he's like, "Eh, I already fucked it up. I'm just going to keep going. That's who they are now. It's that undisputed area. I'm wartime correspondent Nigel McGuinness. I'm reporting to you live from the undisputed area. (laughs) Kylo Riley does maybe the coolest thing in the world. He has Roderick Strong in a triangle choke. And Rezar comes at him with a big stomp, and he catches the stomp, and while still maintaining the triangle choke, puts Rezar into an ankle hold. But even better than that was Akum realizing, well, how would the authors of pain break this up? Would I punch Kylo Riley in the stomach? Would I do a leg drop? No, 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 no. You get Pete Dunne, and you powerbomb him onto Kylo Riley. <laughs> Probably breaking your partner's ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that they targeted Adam Cole right away. They just destroyed him. Put him through a table. He's out of the commission the whole time. Adam Cole really not doing a good job of hiding how injured he is. Kylo Riley comes out of the backstage, and he looks mean and hyped. He's wearing both tag belts. He's doing his shadow boxing. Slumping He's around like, like a gorilla. I'm going to fucking kill. And yeah. Adam Cole, fat old Adam Cole, <sighs> walks out from the backstage. He's already bandaged up. He's wearing his new belt. And he lags behind Kylo Riley by about 15 to 20 feet. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly's, like, looking back at him constantly. Like, come on, we got a match, let's do this! And he's like, god damn it, yeah, just, I'll catch up, I'll catch up, fuck. If he's a chihuahua, Kyle O'Reilly's bloodlust makes him some kind of terrier. I think Kyle O'Reilly is a chimpanzee. I don't think he's a Oh, no, no, he is a terrier, because I could see him, Kyle O'Reilly running into a barn and grabbing a rat in his mouth and shaking it dead. Yeah, always going to love the Dunn Strong team because I thought that that was so funny because the whole idea of it is Strong loses to Dunn, really, really respects Dunn, 
and then Bugs Dunn until he becomes his tag team partner. <laughs> and that is totally the way it plays out, the chemistry-wise, the entire time. And you just see Dunn, like, amusing. He's, like, amused, and he, like, looks at Strong, and he's just like, I can't believe how enthusiastic you are about this. Really love that. You know what? I'm starting to get along with you. And I thought it was great. It's weird. Strong is, like, pulling him tweener. Because yes. there are a couple of times where Strong can't, get to the tag, and he actually looks genuinely concerned. Done. Yeah. He's like, oh no. Yeah, and it's a build because in earlier rounds, he was not like that. He would just stand there and kind of put his hand out, and he didn't have an expression on his face. And it just built up, and it was really great. I loved Kyle O'Reilly. I thought he really killed it. I loved when he got beat up so bad, but then he stood back up. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. You didn't do shit. And then he just kind of fell backwards out of the ring because he was Kyle O'Reilly so totally is the fucking MVP of pretty much any match that he's in, but definitely yeah. this match. He's yeah. so good because he is a completely believable wrestler, but he's also so funny. That's a good moment. Um, later, done flips out of a German suplex that Kyle O'Reilly oh. does to him. Kyle, of course, he's got his back to Dunn. He doesn't know that he flipped out of it. He starts mugging to the camera like, I'm the fucking best. <laughs> and Dunn just kicks him as hard as he can in the side of the head. It's <laughs> it's really like Looney Tunes shit, but good. Dean Ambrose yeah. needs to watch Kyle O'Reilly and be like, Holy oh, that's shit. what I'm doing wrong. You are so right about that. The one thing that I'm so happy about. The Super Collider? The return of the Super Collider. Authors of Pain lost after they did the Super Collider. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Fuck you! You can retire that move forever now. You're on Raw. Nobody's seen it. I was so happy with this match. Everything went my way. Because as soon as that Super Collider went off, I said, if they win, I riot. And it didn't win. Thank God. Dunn hits the bitter end on Kyle O'Reilly. And who breaks it up but Roderick Strong. And the audience gasps. Yeah. I was so surprised. Dunn looks at Strong for a second and then gets hit with the end of Heartache. And Strong wins the match for Undisputed Era. Yeah, he puts Kyle O'Reilly on top of Dunn. This is around the time that Adam Cole, who has been put through the Spanish announce table 20 minutes ago, wakes up and all he sees is that they've won. And he rolls into the ring and starts congratulating Kyle O'Reilly. And it's like, you did it. You did it. And Kyle O'Reilly's yeah. like, what are How? you talking about? <laughs> How did I do it? Everyone is dumbfounded, even the audience. Lo and behold, Roderick Strong takes the Undisputed Era weird Nazi armband and puts it on. Yeah. He's officially in Ring of Honor Club, a.k.a. the Dog Pound. Yeah, and when he does it, Adam Cole gets a look on his face like he's seen a porno mag for the first time. They cut to the new four-man Undisputed Era. Bobby Fish, who is clearly a schnauzer, comes out to join them. <laughs> They have all their belts, and in the background, you can hear Adam Cole saying to Roderick Strong, I love you very, very much. I love you very, very, very much. 
he's like a seven-year-old talking to his mommy. It's great. It was great. <laughs> Authors of Pain are on Raw now, and most importantly, after their match, they're walking back, and they both stick out their hands, hold back Paul Ellering, and walk up the ramp alone. They're on their own, buddy. Yeah. Paul Ellering's got to get back to that Denny's he owns in Minnesota. Well, Paul Ellering doesn't want to be going all over the fucking country now. Or to fucking Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Paul Ellering is like, no, that, that's cool. I still live here. It was great when I just had to hang out in Florida. I've got to get back to friends. the Cracker Barrel I own. Yeah. I was willing to come down to Florida once a month, but not all the time. I'm not going on the road with you boys. You're going to have to learn how to cook for yourselves. Um, I always hate to say I told you so. There was that Authors of Pain match, and I said that it seemed like the Authors of Pain were getting out of Paul Ellering's control. Yeah. You know. I told you so. There you go. You may have called every single match at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, it was like an idiot savant. I called Authors of Pain leaving. I even knew. Owing. I even knew Rusev was going to eat the pain. <laughs> I was like, they're chanting for him so much. I bet it's a last minute decision too. Vince is just yelling into the microphone. Rusev's got to eat the pain. The tag division is fucking ready to explode this is gonna be yeah. great it's like they opened the windows and all this fresh air blowed in it's just whoa and also reigniting the roderick strong uh pete dunn rivalry is so exciting to me yeah i want to see what the fuck happens for pete dunn after this because this is great he's gonna come out he's gonna be the baby face Next up, we have Andrade Cien Almas, the NXT champion, versus Aleister Black. I thought that there was a lot of really cool stuff going on, including teasing for the audience how boring and lame Aleister Black is as a face. Almas really kind of turned into the face for me. Even though he yeah. was an asshole and beat the shit out of Black... You know, whatever. He turned into the face for me. Because here comes Aleister Black out in the middle of the ring. And he's boring again. And then Zelina Vega is there. And he's boring with Zelina Vega to sign this contract. He finally got it. They fought each other. They don't like each other. They hate each other. They beat on each other all the time. He finally got the contract. And what does he do? He makes short jokes. It was terrible. And then he invites Candice LeRae to show up to beat up on Zelina Vega. Well, what the fuck is that all about? Johnny Gargano is gone. That's not part of this. Why are you trying to link this up? It's because they're desperately trying to get him something more charismatic. But the thing is, it doesn't matter. He's such a good wrestler. NXT loves him no matter what. So they're super happy about all this. But this was the moment where my heart kind of sank because I was like, he's going to win and he's boring. Andrade, Cien Almas, ambushing Black in the back and dunking his head in a water cooler. Love that. Yeah, it was great. Shades of the Iron Woman match. Alistair Black, right now, as a wrestler, he is amazing. But yeah, his, he's one of the best. 
promos have been so dreary. I love Aleister Black in the ring. I got his shirt. Yeah. To be fair, that was primarily because it's fucking wicked as shit. It's like it's a, cool shirt. a great shirt. But yeah. I also like him as a wrestler. He's great. I just wish that I cared about his character a bit more, and I kind of don't. I only care about the people he's going up against. I love Almas. Almas can do no wrong. I hope that this is Aleister Black's first loss, and... Nope. I mean, we don't even really have to get so far into the match, because honestly, it was very competent it was really exciting there was I a loved lot of the match there, there was a ton of great stuff i mean there was the hanging ddt there was like all sorts of stuff that happened it looked really cool it looked really great but they played this fucking zelina vega interference gimmick so much and so early uh, she head scissored him before almost got any offense in and that's yeah. when i was like oh he's gonna fucking lose because they're making him it made him look weak. Look weak. And later on, they kind of build back up his strength. Yeah. Almost does the draping arm bar and then immediately follows it up with a springboard drop kick and it looks great. Later on in the match, he does the same thing and Black kicks him out of the sky from that springboard drop kick. So you're setting up this like, oh, he's learning this guy's moves and yeah. has responses to it. That's almost his wheelhouse is to be like, I'm going to do something crazy on you. And then next time I do it, you're going to counter it. Like, he's, yeah, that's part of the reason why his feud with Gargano was so amazing. Finally, Zelina Vega goes to attack him one more time and he ducks under Zelina Vega, almost catches Vega and with Vega in his arms, can't counter the black mass. And one, two, three, black wins. Yeah. I don't like what it m might do for him and Vega. I like them together. I think they're really great. And I don't want this to turn into like, you made me lose. Now go be a singles wrestler so you can fight Candace, which is probably what it's going to be. I'm also worried because there are some people that are saying maybe with the superstar shakeup, almost moves to SmackDown. Yeah, I think that that's most likely going to happen. Please don't do that. I don't think that you should because they're keeping Vega on NXT for sure because we haven't had the Candice Vega fight. Keep him on NXT and make him become Ingo Bernable. You know, make him be like, I had the championship. You fucking took it from me. Yeah. And now I'm not even playing by the few rules I used to play by. Like a big part of what I think is so difficult is when they ask you to come up, it probably makes you go like, oh shit, I'm going to go up. Because you want to go up. You want to make more money. You want to be there. I mean, like, it's hard to refuse. But if I'm in that situation, I can't go up. I mean, he's going to be eaten alive on SmackDown. He's a heel champ who easily had half of the crowd still in his corner. Yeah. And that's going to go away when he goes up to the main roster. They're not going to stand there in solidarity with him on SmackDown. The one glimmer of hope I had was Aleister Black gets the belt and he holds it over his head and then he smiles like a greater that just lost his last tooth. 
yeah, he has emotion now. Him actually having the belt might give him options because if he goes from a sullen asshole to like, and now I have everything I could ever want. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm very down with that. I just hope that it they go that route and they don't have him show up on NXT next week going like, let me tell you another sad story about my tattoos. I was happy for one week, but now I realized how fleeting it is. Like, oh, fuck you, dude. Uh, the, the light was so intense, and now I must balance it with dark because I am in the middle. It's this, like, um, quickening of Ray Wyatt syndrome. Yeah. We've seen this before, and so we're like... Okay, if you're just going to do this for two years and then become boring, I'm just going to become bored with you right now. Yeah, I, I'm starting to feel like it's boring already. I mean, I was. I'm like you. I kind of hope that he gets a little emotion. Because uh-huh. I really want to like his character. Because I really like him. He looked really fucking stupid being that happy in a way that I really liked. He suddenly did not look cool at all. Because that actually makes him relatable to me. I'd like to see him, like, get a band. Like, just go totally the other way. Like, get a band and, like, be a goofus. He's still trying to be tough, but now because everything's great. Oh, today was horrible. They didn't have the kind of ice cream I liked at the store. and I was exactly thinking of ice cream as well. <laughs> Well, of course, because it's delicious. Yeah, I was thinking of soft serve, though. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? Soft serve? Um, I am a boring vanilla guy. I actually really like vanilla soft serve. I, I, I like a good vanilla milkshake, and a lot of people don't like that, but it's a perfect pairing to a burger. Yep, I agree. Although, I gotta say, pralines and cream, pretty fucking good. That's That's really one of my favorites. There you go. Oh, we're such good friends. We are. Next time we hang out, I'm going to buy some pralines and cream. Yeah, we'll eat it together and dish. But when that turn happens, uh, it's going to be worse than when Strong turned on Dunn. You probably can't get worse than Champo Gargana, though. No! Let's segue into that and away from Alistair Black. We'll get, we'll get back to him. We'll love him. Please we'll recover, Almas. Please, please bounce back from this stronger than ever. Jesus Christ, I hope so. I believe Please don't show up on SmackDown. He wasn't there yesterday, so... You're too handsome to lose it all. When we last left Gargano and Ciampa, Gargano was Johnny Jobless, and Ciampa was standing in silence drinking in the audience's hate. We felt like it would be best to keep Ciampa off the screens. Were we right about that? If they didn't do the thing that they did, then definitely we were right. But because they did that. What what did they do, Alec? Well, what they did was they started handing out Johnny Gargano signs at the beginning of every NXT. And there were everywhere. And Ciampa would, he would go around and some lucky audience member would get their sign ripped. Right? Still without doing an actual promo. He would just no, antagonize no the audience. And, and that was good. I'm glad they kept that. That actually lasted a lot better than I thought it would because of the audience's He did yell at a couple of stunt grannies, though. Yes. And not only did he yell at a stunt granny, he also grabbed this lady's sign and ripped it in front of her face. And she, like, kind of looked so sad and, like, nervous and sad and also kind of smiling a little bit because she was getting involved. 
but still like, so it was so weird. And I just loved the look on her face. I kind of wonder if she was a plant because she just sold it so well, but she may not have been because it was really, it really looked like a regular person. But then this all pays off when he goes to grab someone else's sign who's wearing a mask or a hood or something. I don't know. Is there a scarf around his face? Somebody is hold no, somebody is holding the sign right in front of their face. Yeah. But, and he but rips it, it. He does like this whole like AJ Styles hood reveal. Yeah, thing. he has he has a sweatshirt, a oh, hoodie okay, all right. pulled over his face. Yeah. And as Champa is gloating about the ripped sign, the hood flips back to reveal it's Gargano. Oh my god, it's Johnny Wrestling. It was me, Champa. <laughs> It was me all along. Even my immediate family didn't know. <laughs> so two can play the ambush game. He jumps over the barricades and lays into Champa. I'm so glad that we were wrong. Because yeah. we also get a follow-up that makes this feud even better, which is the second that Gargano is doing to Champa what Champa's been doing to Gargano, what does Champa do? He runs and tells on him to Daddy yeah. Regal. He's like, yeah. he isn't even supposed to be here. He jumped he me in the parking here. lot yesterday. He's so mean. He keeps punching me. I don't like him. Tell him to go away. He's supposed to be gone. You're supposed to protect me. <laughs> yeah, 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 he yeah, says yeah. stuff like that. He's like, is this how you handle your superstars? So Regal says, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. You can get an unsanctioned match with him. And this is great. Because this is not really, I don't think, what Ciampa wants. But it is what Ciampa wants because he does accept it. And he does seem like he's like, I'm going to destroy him. He's going to be dead now. It also gives us one of the best packages they've ever made. Which is yeah. saying something. Where Ciampa and Gargano are yelling at the camera. These promos. Gargano at one point says a line that is... In retrospect, so stupid, and yet at the time was so effective <laughs> for me. You may kill me, but as a symbol, I live forever. And I was like, you tell him, Johnny Gargano. You tell him. What symbol is it? Oh, it's a winking, not happy face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that universal symbol. <laughs> You got you got the the Star of David, you know. You've got um, that uh, that lantern. Like I can't even do it. You've got the crescent moon and the star. You've got the cross. Um, you've got the uh, emotionless uh, smiley face with one eye half closed. Um, yeah. Uh, you've got the the, the Buddha, hammer, the obviously. Sickle, the eagle, the, the bald eagle. One of those timeless symbols. Some dumb emoji. Like you'd have on your phone. Except it's not on your phone. If Johnny wins this, he's back at NXT. But... If he loses, he dies. Probably. And Ciampa gets to take his life. He gets to take over his whole life. He, they, we see the wedding photos and everything. Johnny Gargano will just fade out of them. And all of a sudden, Ciampa's married to Candice LeRae. Loser leaves reality forever. <laughs> this is the emotional accumulation of everything. And it is the best way to finish a takeover. And it is the greatest match of the weekend. Also, Ciampa has maybe the best entrance of anybody in WrestleMania weekend. 
he comes out to no music. And just a cacophony of booze. Hey, did you think of Dolph Ziggler watching this match and feeling totally mad that he was not, that he's like got no impact on the crowd versus something like this? Oh man, he should have put in a record scratch at the beginning. That would make this a lot more effective. That would have really amped up the dramatic tension. Now I've got to go beyond Fox Business News. Now it's time for my fucking ride along so people will know that I'm not dead. Champa is also wearing a really fucking badass red snakeskin leather jacket. Yeah, we got very medieval with this. I thought we were watching a Seth Rollins match for a second. (laughs) Yeah, Gargano is a little uh, gladiator boy. Yeah, very cute. He even has like a really dumb little flappy floppy paper mache. Shoulder pad. That's what I was talking about. Shoulder pad. I feel like he could very easily have been wearing... Uh, one of those uh, plastic toy helmet, like a uh, um, knight's helmets. With yeah, the sword. or I would think like a like a Spartan helmet with the little like uh, feather mohawk thing. Except, except it would be plastic as well, so the feather would be plastic all the way down. I think that would be great. Champa's evil planning backfires. Yeah, pretty much every single time he tries to fuck over Gargano, it bites him in the ass. The first time is when he steals somebody's crutches. That was great. By the way, I love the stunt crutch guy. That was really great. Big props to you wearing the Johnny Wrestling t-shirt, of course. Okay. There was some background to this match that revolved around Buddy Ref. At one point, Ciampa starts rooting around under the ring, and he can't find something. And he's yelling and screaming at the ref. You moved it. Did you move it? Where is it? You took it. You put it somewhere. You moved it. And the ref is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I kind of think he did. Right? (laughs) Like, this is going to come out later. I think think he did. I think he moved it. I think the ref. Alec, I have, I, you're so excited right now that I I have to ask. You mean in kayfabe, right? Yeah, oh yeah, in kayfabe, Okay, yes. okay, because right. you were acting like, I think the ref moved that crutch. I think the ref did, the ref is in on it, that was not. The re- yeah, we have, a, we have a real fucking Montreal screw job situation. <laughs> but no, he, uh, he, he's looking for something, and you know it's a crutch, because I mean, he's got to beat the shit out of someone with a crutch. But he turns around, luckily, there's a guy in a Johnny Gargano shirt, with two crutches. <laughs> and and even more luckily, he's standing up against the barricade completely alone, away from anyone else. For some reason, no there's a ring him. of security around him. Yeah. Don't know why that happened. Well, because you know what? They just probably don't want anybody to kick into his injured leg. That's probably it. Ciampa runs over, grabs the crutches, which still have tags on them from when they were purchased. <laughs> He checks the tags to make sure they're from a good, reputable medical supply company. Right, the one that he the one that he represents. He's not sponsored by one, so Blue it's kind Sky. Of a bad these look. are shit crutches. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad look if he's using the wrong crutch. He uh, grabs this these two crutches and brings them in the ring, and he is just wailing on Gargano with them. And the crutches become such a huge integral part of the match. They play tug of war with the crutch. There's you know. A lot of 
smashing with a crutch. Yeah, Gargano has a number of moments. I like that he keeps having the moment of like, should I use the crutch? And every single time the audience is like, yes, dummy, use the, use crutch. the crutch. And he's like, and, eh. but uh, I love that that takes a million years. The time between Gargano getting hit with these crutches and the time when he gets the crutch and has the realization he's going to use the crutch, it takes forever. And because of that, it builds it so much. You just, you're desperate to see him destroy Ciampa with these crutches. It's awesome. Speaking of destroying, yep. Ciampa also peels up some of the padding around the ring, exposing bare concrete. Yeah, I had to watch this back to make sure that nobody died. And it's exposed for like 20 minutes. They really take their time. They know that they have almost a full hour. So they're like... They fight on the apron directly over it too. And it really like, it makes you go like, oh shit, oh shit. They tease it so many times. Yeah. But finally, Gargano gets a, what, sit-out powerbomb or something on it? I didn't pay attention to if it was a sit-out, but I know that... I couldn't I'm pay sure attention because I thought that Ciampa was going to be dead. I know. That's why I had to watch it twice. The audience starts chanting, you deserve it. And it was one of those moments where I was like, maybe we're too bloodthirsty. <laughs> yeah. Because you were desperate to see him go down on that. But the powerbomb, oh my god. I was expecting a, you know, a fucking, like, hamburger-sized red dot to be left behind on that fucking Yeah, concrete. no, it looked really bad. It looked really bad. Um, it's, it's, it's a great fucking spot, though. All of the last three years really fucking starts... You, you feel the weight of it. Yeah. At one point, I'm pretty sure Johnny gets a tooth kicked out of his mouth. Oh, jeez. They both hit their half of their old joint finisher on each other. Every single time, Ciampa savors it. He even does the hand sign. Oh, but of course, because Johnny is a good boy, every single time he does it, he's like, it takes a million years for him to do it because he doesn't want to fucking kill his friend. After all this time, he doesn't want to hurt his friend. Ciampa yep. hits Project Ciampa which is that really fucking cool lung blower, it's now been about 35 minutes. Yeah. And Ciampa's face looks like an old catcher's mitt. He's swelling up. He's really swelling. Oh, his, his right eye is like closing up. It's crazy. He hits that Project Ciampa off the top rope and immediately starts selling his hurt knee, so he takes off the brace. Gargano gets him down. And picks up the crutch, and he's about to hit Ciampa. It's the broken crutch, too. It looks like he's going to stab him with it. Ciampa starts floundering. Gargano goes to hit him, and Ciampa cowers like he's afraid. And there's this moment when Gargano realizes kind of what he's become. The first here. thing that I thought of was part two of the Next Generation episode chain of command um before i was into wrestling i was into star trek the next generation and right and now you're not because you're into wrestling <laughs> but in this episode yeah. john luke picard has been captured by the cardassians he's being tortured and 
while being tortured in a rare moment with his guard dropped, Gul Madred, the Cardassian that's torturing him, tells him a story about growing up and how tough he was and about how older boys once beat him and he was unable to fight back. And Picard realizes that this all has been about how weak and powerless Gul Madred feels. And he finally says, Whenever I look at you now, I won't see a powerful warrior. I will see a six-year-old boy who is powerless to protect himself. Be quiet. In spite of all you've done to me, I find you a pitiable man. Gargano isn't just scared of what he's become. He looks at Champa, and Champa is so frightened and so swollen and damaged. He really does seem like a pitiable person, even after all of the bullshit he's done. I found myself feeling bad for Champa because he had this sad look on his face. Immediately after like recoiling, he kind of just ended up looking defeated. He sat in the ring, he put his hands up to his head. And he like kind of like rubbed his head, and he was like, "Oh God, I lost." He was he was like so defeated and dead. And it's this callback to their cruiserweight championship match, where the same thing kind of happened with Gargano, and Champa actually took pity on him at the time. Gargano was heading towards that resolution almost. He drops the crutch, and the entire audience that has been wanting blood this entire match, almost goes completely quiet. It's amazing. And he sits next to Champa, just like Champa did so long ago, and Champa immediately tries to fuck him over. Yeah, he grabs his fucking knee brace and tries to whap him with it. Johnny rolls out of the way, though, and puts on a Gargano escape into the STF using the knee brace to fucking scrape up his buddy's face it looks really nasty i would tap immediately as well i think you have to because i think that you cannot fake that it's in his mouth i don't think we're gonna beat this one for a while honestly i don't think that we are the emotionally effective stuff is usually emotionally effective because it's taken us three years to get here i'm really excited to see what the next thing they're going to devote two years to tell they they do a really good job of suddenly making this thing that's good like so emotionally resonant he's still on this show yeah so that means that him and champa are going to continue to interact unless one of them gets moved up i really hope it doesn't happen because i would love to see a luke vader style redemption arc where Johnny Gargano, he's just too good of a boy to let his best friend be evil. And he's like, yeah, for a moment there, I saw that you were just afraid and scared. And I know that you can be good again. Yeah, I love that idea. And I mean, I really want to love Ciampa again because he's so fucking jacked. This, this match could have been a Kenny Omega match. This is like that. You know what I mean? This is like when Kenny 
hugs him for the first time in like three years and and confetti rains down on them but the opposite because it's someone gets completely destroyed it's it this is this is so effective i just I, I don't know it's it's really one of the best matches i've seen and i think it's because it hit me outside of my wrestling feeling and hit me more like it was just like i felt i felt bad for Ciampa. Starting with the power bomb on the concrete, I was just like, "Oh man, really?" <laughs> Gargano so walks that line between like if he had acted like he relished it even a little bit. Oh, they've both become dark because of this. They're both evil and bad now, but he still comes out of it as a face because every single time, even if he doesn't say it out loud, you can hear his internal monologue being like, "Come on, man, I don't want to do this to you." Please just let me have my job and my life. But no, you're not going to. So yeah, I'm going to fucking ram your head into concrete. God damn it. I don't know. It was just really great. And I really want to see them interact more. So I hope to God they don't move up. That's a, that's shit that you get on NXT where they they like to keep it low and build the tension over months. I I really appreciate that. And that's why... I'm happy to be doing a podcast with you. Aw, I'm happy to be doing a podcast with you, buddy. We're best friends. I'll never hit you with a crutch. Yep. I promise I will never hit you with a crutch. You definitely won't hit me with a crutch. <laughs> Aren't you going to promise to never hit me with a crutch? Oh, I know. You would think I would do something like that, and of course I would, because I'm a good friend of yours. Like what? Can you actually say the words? What? What words? Say in a sentence the thing that you just said, of course you would promise. Oh, I'm, I'm getting confused by what you're saying. I don't think I follow. I, I, it's all right. That, don't worry about it. I'm going to fucking put your head into a block of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just hold right there. Hold it right there. <laughs> okay, well, we might kill each other before the next episode, but... But you've been listening to What's NXT? Hi, I took it from you. Oh, shit. I took it from your heart. <laughs> this has been What's NXT. <laughs> I've been Tristan Marsh. I've been Alec Basio. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also contact us at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. Alec, are you still doing your anime podcast? I am. I have a Sailor Moon podcast you guys should check out. It's called Under the Tokyo Tower. Uh, we've finished our first season a while ago, and we're doing these little goofy intermediary episodes, one of which is going to come out. Towards the end of this week, or perhaps the beginning of next, it's uh, called Sailor Movie Cast, and we've watched Face Off. So, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you, you know we're going to have a really good time with that one. So you can find that on midnightzero.nyc, which is also where you can find another place where you can find What's NXT, this podcast right here. And you can talk to us there and leave comments and things and get part of the become part of the discussion. Well, wonderful. Yeah. Tune back in sometime in May. Did you see that 
in an ad for NXT during WrestleMania, they stole our obvious slogan. They said, Tune into the next episode to find out what's next. What's NXT? First episode of Kimmy, shut the fuck up. Oh. <laughs> hey, watch it. Don't get me nasty with your dog. She just barks at people in the hallway all the time. <laughs> She's a little jerk. Honey, it's okay. You're a good girl. Nobody's going to come and take your rope toy. <laughs>